0: Hey guys, first of all, if you're enjoying the podcast, please, please, please share it. On your Instagram, specifically in your Instagram stories, that seems to be the place where people find it the most. And don't forget to tag me. We have so many people here that find our podcast and uh, really enjoy the podcast. But I always say, I wish I would have found it sooner. So, um, if you are enjoying it, please share it with your friends. Share it on your Instagram. It really helps us grow. Obviously, we don't have ads or anything like that to promote it, and so the only way that it grows is the organic reach that all of you guys have done. And you know, nice. It's nice to see month on month, week on week. Every single podcast has. Grown grown, uh, the weeks it has pushed forward, we are uh, almost a year and a half in already, which is crazy to think we haven't missed a week in a year and a half. So super excited about that. Today's episode um, is the first of a few parts. It's going to be basically a mailbag or ask me anything. And so, again, shout out to one of our listeners, Courtney. She sent me a list of questions that she would. She said she would love for me to cover in the podcast. And that brings me to my next ask. If you are out there and have questions that you would love me to cover, please just send me a DM on Instagram, at Justin Rabinowitz. Uh, if you're not following me already, that's J-U-S-T-I-N-R-A-B-I-N-O-W-I-T-Z. And ask a question or give me a topic that you would like to see covered. It allows me to look Look at what's going on, and the question that you have. I'm sure there are hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of people out there uh, asking the same question. Um, before I get to the episode, I wanted to um, just kind of celebrate a win for for our program. Not only do we have Canadians already, obviously we have people in the U.S. and Canada, but we had our first uh, we had our first Australian join our rehab Cairo community, uh, last week. So that is a very, very exciting milestone for us. Shout out to Dean, Dr. Dean out in Australia. Um, so we are excited to have that and making inroads in another continent. So hope y'all enjoy this episode and uh, we will talk to you soon. What's up everyone. I got a list of questions from one of our listeners, Courtney. So shout out to Courtney. She sent a quite a few different questions that I think the audience is really going to enjoy. And so as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to break this up into most likely two podcasts so that I can give enough context for each question that was asked and give a little bit more information. As my mastermind members know, I can take any basic question and turn it into a very high-level thinking Uh, exercise, which also generally turns into a rant by me. So be prepared. Um, I'm going to say a few times during this, I really do love question Q&A because if you have the question, I'm sure hundreds of other people have those questions and it gives me a lot of good material and ideas on where to push my content because if you're asking it, um, then I want to give you my thoughts and feelings on it. So Uh, I'll say it now. I'll say it again. If you do have questions, if you do have topics that you would like covered on the podcast, please just drop them into my DMs at Justin Rabinowitz. That's R-A-B-I-N-O-W-I-T-Z. If you don't follow me on Instagram, just drop me a question into the DM and just say, hey, I'd love for you to cover this topic on the podcast and it'll give me a really good idea and something to prep for so that I can cover it uh, in the future. So without further ado, let me open up these questions from the DMs, and we will get going. The first question is, do you have anyone that has successfully, even if short-term, done home visits, while trying to find a permanent location? How did it work out? So let me say it again. Do you have anyone that has successfully even short term done home visits while trying to find a permanent location? How did that work out? So do I know anyone that successfully done it? Yes. That answer it's you are listening to him talk right now. Before I found a location, I did home visits and uh, actually in our setting, I think it's a really, really great idea. So let me take a couple steps back and then we'll sort of loop it full circle to dive back in. I think one of the issues we have as rehab kairos is we don't have a model to follow. And because of that, most of our mentors, most of where we've associated or most of the people we've shadowed are working in like, big proper offices in an office park with four or five treatment rooms that might be anywhere from 1,500 to 3,000 square feet. And typically they have, you know, three or four tables and an admin team and, and all of that because that's what the model that they follow. And that's quite frankly, the model that they need to follow in order to make their business work and be profitable. And so the problem that a lot of us have, a lot of that you guys have who are listening to this podcast is you are not like them. Most of you guys that are listening probably aren't running a high-volume practice. Many probably aren't going to take insurance. And so the reason why, if you're going to run that model, you need to have the proper office space that's 1,500, 2,000 square feet with multiple treatment rooms is because typically you have to be treating multiple patients at once in order to make enough money. So the chiropractor that I saw growing up, who I really really enjoyed going to see, he ran a true high volume practice. He didn't take appointments. He basically operated as first come first serve. And so you would show up, and he had remodeled a house, the downstairs of a house, where like the kitchen turned into you know his back office space, and then they had you know uh, I think six or seven different rooms in there and a waiting room. And at any given time, he had these six or seven rooms operating at once. And so he would call you back, he would go back with you, he'd put heat and stim on you 10, 15 minutes. And then when that would be up, he would come in, he would do some version of a flying seven adjustment, and then he would send you on your way. And so his contact time with you was about 40 seconds on the front end to put the heat and stim on. And it was about another two to two and a half minutes on the back end to do the uh, heat, stim, and adjust. Now, that's fantastic. I also know because one day he told me what his numbers were. And I remember his office visit average was about $40 to $50 collection per visit. And so if you think about that, if you have seven rooms going at once at $40 to $50 per visit, and assuming that I know he would see like sometimes hundreds of patients a day, the numbers on that business work very well. I think when I calculated it, he was doing six to $700,000 of revenue as the sole provider of that practice with like four or five office staff, because you need obviously more staff because it's like a zoo in there at times. You have so many people coming and going. The point is he needed that space, that proper space in order to run the model that he was running. If you are going to follow some version of a rehab chiropractic model, so our office, our version of it is each provider sees one patient per hour. And because of that, we have a thousand square foot office. And we easily and comfortably, in that 1,000 square feet, could fit three full-time providers with no problems whatsoever. And so what I want all of you guys, no matter where you are in your journey of this rehab chiropractic journey, is to start thinking about what you actually need in an office space in order to be successful and be profitable. The reason why so many people open up originally in a gym and it can work extremely well and it can be a more longer term solution so long as you're in a decent uh, gym is because if you're seeing one person at a time, the best way to limit your overhead costs and still give an unbelievably great experience is renting a single room out of a gym for $1,000 per month. And then hopefully if the gym owners are nice, you can sort of use their gym space as your rehab area. You can keep your overhead unbelievably low, and quite frankly, it's all that you need. In a perfect scenario as a solo provider, if you had a little waiting room to make someone feel comfortable and then you had a treatment room, what else do you need? Now, that all being said, going back to the original question, can you do home visits in this capacity? Actually, if you think about it, our business model allows to run a significantly higher level of success in a home visit treatment model. The only additional sort of thing to account for is the fact that you have to drive to and from someone's house. But I know that myself and our team and a lot of the people in our mastermind group can deliver an unbelievable high quality of service with a portable treatment table, a couple bands, a couple body weight things. And if the gym and if the person has some equipment in their house, even better for their rehab, but we don't need that. It would be great to have a squat rack and a barbell, but totally not necessary. And so the point that I'm getting at is from a clinical perspective, you absolutely can do home visits uh, to people in your area and you're not going to lose anything that you would really lose from a proper office. The second thing is our model because typically we're higher cost, higher service, less volume. That that way to get going is a very very smart way to do it. Now you don't have to do that, but I definitely advocate for it. One of the so our profession is challenging in general and, you know, running a rehab style practice where you're cash, high ticket, high price there are challenges to it. One, of it. one of them is you have to market in a different way. And number two, you have to be able to sell and communicate your value because you're significantly more expensive. However, on the upside, the upside is that the startup costs are almost nothing. Like literally they could be a few hundred dollars. It's like, make sure that you have proper business insurance, make sure you register an LLC. And if you have a portable table, so I bought one in chiropractic school, we still use that in our office today. But for me, it's like have table, will travel. I'll go set pop-ups into gyms. I'll go to people's houses. I'll do whatever I have to do in order to get it going. And for the first six months of my business, the first, so strive to move, which you guys see online today, which has turned into, you know, thankfully a really nice and and big entity that started with me putting my table in my trunk, going to friends and family's houses and, and acquaintances houses and treating them in their house. It, I then took the table and brought it to CrossFit gyms and regular gyms and Pilates and all these different places where it was like, have table, we'll travel. I don't have a permanent office yet. I started my practice in July of 2015, and I did not have my own actual, like, proper office location. And that was, and I had rented a room at that point. I did not even rent a room in an office until January of the next year. So I opened in July of 2015 and I didn't even have an actual office until January of 2016. One of the things that, one of the things early on, while you will get objections because of pricing, cost and all of that, one of the objections you won't get is people won't have time because you'll go to them. And so if you think about it from a business perspective, you have to use what you have to your advantage. Honestly, and uh, this is an interesting, this is interesting So we do get a lot, uh, not a lot, but a decent amount of people that are just starting out their practice. They worked as an associate and they're going to start and they take Biz 101. And as they're going through Biz 101, when I start asking them questions and what's going on, as soon as they start telling me that they're designing their office space and they're picking out carpet and turf and all these different things for the office, I get very, very, very nervous because almost without fail, the thing that these people forgot is that carpet doesn't pay the bills and turf doesn't pay the bills and a squat rack doesn't pay the bills but you know what does pay the bills getting a customer to swipe their credit card pay you and you delivering a service so in order to build your business, you must get a customer and keep a customer. But there's so many people out there that they take three, four, five, six months negotiating a lease, finding a space, getting a loan from a bank, buying equipment that they don't need, all of these different things. And they do all of the things that don't make them any money. I don't know about you guys, but like, I didn't have funding for my business. I didn't have parents that gave me hundreds of millions of dollars. I didn't have a bank. I didn't have anyone bankrolling me. I was my bankroll. And because of that, I had to go find people to pay me money so that I had enough money to build the business and to like pay my mortgage and to do all the things I had to do to survive. And so if that's the case, you spending your time worrying about crap, what EHR I'm going to use, what the turf is going to be in your office, what size kettlebells do I need, how big should the squat rack be, how many dumbbells, you know, what what do I put in the front area? Do I get a coffee pot? None of that stuff is relevant. And so you going to someone's house, you treating them and getting them to swipe their card and booking a plan of care and them giving you two, three thousand dollars for you to give a world-class service early on, that's the stuff that's gonna pay your bills. And you know what happens? If you get enough of those people, all of a sudden that office expense is gonna become nothing. Because if you're generating 10000 bucks before you have an office space, wow, what a much better place to be. Now that rent, that mortgage payment, that HOA, all of the things that are going to come with you having your own office space. It's going to be significantly less drastic to your budget. But you know, the only thing worse than going to get an office space and building it out is getting an office space, building it out, having it look beautiful, and having no one to treat in it. And so what I encourage all of you to do is to start thinking like an entrepreneur. Sam Parr always says you do not have a business until you sell something to someone. Let me say that again. You do not have a business until you sell something to someone. So you do not have a business when you register an LLC. You do not have a business when you pick out the carpeting. You do not have a business when you sign a lease. You do not have a business when you get a coffee pot. You do not have a business when you buy a flexion distraction table or an X-ray unit or a cold laser or a hot laser or a warm laser. You do not have a business. You have a business when someone swipes their card and pays you dollars for the service that you provide. If you don't have that, you don't have a business. So let's not conflate, let's not conflate two different things. you getting all the stuff, all the fancy things and spending the time to do all the research on the shit that doesn't matter. What matters? That you get someone in the door, that they pay you money and you deliver a world-class service. Anything outside of that, for the most part, early on in your business is completely irrelevant. So you must figure out how to attract customers, marketing, and you must figure out how to sell them, Sales. And then you must deliver on the thing that we know you're already good at, which is treatment. Get a customer, keep a customer. Get a customer, keep a customer. If that involves getting a customer by going to Sally's house, go to Sally's house. Go there twice on Sunday. I bet Sally has a husband and three kids. Let's get them all. And then Sally has a neighbor and she has a neighbor's neighbor and doing all of that. So early on, I think it's a fantastic idea. Is it your forever solution? No. Nothing is. But if we're getting our business off the ground, whatever it takes to get the customer and keep the customer. All right, I'm tired. That's question one. Question two. Is there anyone your courses haven't worked for and why? As my clients know, this is my favorite question, Courtney. So thank you for asking it. I love this question almost more than any other question because it pisses me off more than anything. And so if I can go back, when I first started teaching Cairo Biz 101 and I started sort of selling it to people like you who are listening to this podcast, um, for the most part early on, it was people that I knew already. And so them buying the course was actually it was pretty easy. There wasn't much of a sales process, and it was just like, yeah, like sounds good, and I need help, and you know, I, I trust you, so I'll take the course. But like anything in business, as it grows, you get people that, you know, don't show up the same way. And so I got on a call with a guy from the Midwest once, and uh we had a really good conversation and we get through it. And, um, and then he said to me, he said, just out of curiosity, uh, what's the worst someone has ever done by taking your course? And I was like, totally thrown off guard by the question. Cause no one had ever asked me it before. I started to like stumble and talk through my answer. And then luckily by the grace of God, my internet cut out because whatever I was about to say was just like, I was like shocked. It was like, you just saw like a naked person for the first time streaking and like, what the hell just happened? Like, what just happened to me? So luckily my internet went out and about 10 minutes later, I jumped back on the call. And it gave me a couple minutes to sort of breathe and think about the question. And I honestly don't even remember what I answered because whatever I said was completely irrelevant Um, because it was just like, I was just kind of stumbling over my uh, work, you know, that type of thing because I'd never heard it before. And since that time, it's happened not a ton, but, you know, uh, I don't know, once a month, once every eight weeks, I do sort of get that question or I hear through a friend of a friend, hey, everyone," I hear all the good things, tell me the bad things and all of that. And so I I know it's out there, um, but, I guess the first thing that I'll say, and this is where the, I guess the ranting sort of comes in, is like, what a sad question. And I, and I don't mean to criticize because it's, it's just, this, it's a great question. But what a sad question. What an what a incredibly sad question to ask. It literally like made me feel bad when, when people, it makes me feel bad when people ask that question. Because I understand that generally in, in life we have people that are skeptical, and I get it, and realistically, all of the sales process and all of our businesses, you know we build it around people that are skeptical. But I think it's honestly beyond that, right? It's beyond that. It's beyond that version of being skeptical. You know, as a business owner and entrepreneur, I think being skeptical does have its place, and you absolutely do have to have some healthy skepticism. But at the end of the day, people that are successful as entrepreneurs are, are oftentimes biased, biased towards unrealistic optimism. Because if you looked at the facts of going to chiropractic school and then opening a business and then trying to be cash and then doing rehab and like all the things that we do to ourselves, I mean, it's absolutely, it's, it's insane. It's like insane. It's insane. It's like the craziest thing that anyone would ever think about doing. You're going to be an entrepreneur, a doctor, like all of these different things, a student loans. I mean, the whole thing is absolutely insane and we do it anyway. And the only way to rationalize any of it is because we've got to be almost hopelessly optimistic in our pursuit of what we're doing. And so when I hear the question of like, basically, how can I fail or what's the worst I can do? Like I said, it makes me sad. Because what I would love to happen is I would like people to hear all of the unbelievable success stories that we have in our business, how people have on average grown their business 106%, how we have on average people going from zero to 10K a month as a startup in six to seven months, how we have on average people that have been in our program longer than a year doing $40,000 a month, how we have people that are going from 10,000 to 30,000, how we have people that have paid off their student loans, how we have people that have gone on vacation for the first time and how we have people that didn't know business before and now are so excited to be able to grow and expand their team and they dropped insurance networks and now they're making more money in one month than they made the first five months of the year and all of those things that are true. And why can't we just look at that as a potential skeptical buyer and say, if they can do it, so can I? Because sure, sure. There are going to be people out there in any system in the world, any no-fail process that are going to fail, that aren't going to get results. But if I can just share a personal outlook on me, it's when I get in a room with people that are further along than me, or when I look at a program and I see people that have had success, I don't sit there and think about all the people that haven't had success. I don't think about how I am going to be the one that's going to screw it up. What I think about, what I do is I look people and I look them in the eye and I look at what they're doing and I hear what they're saying. And I say, if them, why not me? If they can do it, why can't I? They're not better than me. They're not smarter than me. They don't speak better than I do. They didn't come from a different, better background than I did. They're not going to work harder than I will. And so if they can do it, so can I. And so I encourage all of you out there, all of you out there to look at people and to look at programs and look at courses and look at whatever. And when you read the success stories and when you hear people that have had unbelievable amounts of success, I encourage you, rather than thinking, huh, how am I going to screw this up? to Start thinking, how am I going to be just like them and better? Because you know what? In life, you always get what you're looking for. You always get what you're looking for. So if you think you're going to be one of the ones to not get results, guess what? You're going to be one of the ones to not get results. If you think that other people are smarter than you, more motivated than you, speak better than you, and do all of those things better than you, guess what? It's going to be true. And if you think that you're going to take our course or any other course out there and be one of the one that has screwed it up, guess what? You're going to screw it up. But I have news for you. If I sense that when I speak to you or our sales team senses that when we speak to you, I have news for you. We're not going to let you take the course because listen, I'm going to teach you about business right now. This is how business works. Justin creates a business. He thinks it will help people. People trust him enough to take the leap. They end up getting results They get results. They share it with their friends. They're very excited about it. And then Justin's business grows. That is business. And so if Justin thinks that you are going to take Justin's course and screw it up and make it bad and then tell your friends that it's bad, Justin is not going to let you take the course. It is not worth it. Your five grand is not worth it to me. I don't need your money. I don't need your bad attitude. Now, I'm not saying that we can't give you confidence, that we can't help you with self-belief, that we can't put you in a group of people that might have thought just like you in the past that might need a little kick in the butt and might need a little perspective on it and might need a group of people around them that can help encourage even when things get hard because it does get hard. I'm not saying that we won't do that. But if you come in just thinking you're going to screw it up and you're going to be the one that fails and you're just figuring out a way to screw it up, I'm not going to have you here. It's not worth it for you. It's not worth it for me. I don't want you leaving and saying, he took my money and I didn't get a result. No, 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 that wasn't what happened. You knew from the start you weren't going to get a result. And guess what? You didn't get a result. If you have a patient that comes to see you and they don't think they're going to get better, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to get better. The best surgeons in the world pick the best patients. Isn't that they're better with their hands? It's that the one that needed back surgery, they gave them back surgery. Failed low back surgery happens because they didn't need back surgery in the first place. Failed business happens because you thought you were going to fail in the first place. So don't start the business. And so if you're out there and you think that you're just going to screw it up and find every which way to find the negatives and not do it right, I got news for you. Stay as an employee, stay as an associate. This business game isn't for you. It's significantly too challenging. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to us. It's not worth it. Your money is not good here if that's you. Your money is not good here if that's you. We know that it's hard. We know that people here oftentimes struggle. We know that they lack confidence and self-belief and there's a lot of reasons for it. And we're here to support that. But if you just inherently think you are going to fail on everything that you do, this is not the place for you. So I encourage all of you that have those thoughts, that look for every reason, why not? Maybe just take a minute to think of why, why not me? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, the Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's G-O dot, D-R, dot com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at com. And four, leave us a five-star review